0: you're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and a few of their role models. This episode is sponsored by Our Neighborhood Empowered, or ONE. ONE is the nonprofit outreach of OKC First Nazarene that exists to positively impact OKC by partnering with and supporting their neighbors. For more information, you can reach ONE at oneokc.org. Today on the podcast, we have Reverend Deanna Hayden. This interview was a sacred moment for me, and I hope you are as moved by her story of faithfulness as I was. Thanks for tuning in. Hayden. She's the senior pastor of Southwood Church of the Nazarene in Raytown, Missouri. Say hello. Hello. So the first question I always ask everybody is, how did you end up in the Church of the Nazarene?
1: I was raised in the Church of the Nazarene as far as the church that I went to, but um, my family um, had more of a Reformed theology, and so um, I... I don't know that theologically I was raised in the Church of the Nazarene, even though I had an amazing pastor and preacher. Um, I think so much of our theological foundation comes from the more immediate context that we're raised Mm. in. And so for me, that was my, my parents. And so having that Reformed background theologically in the home, really, I don't think that I really knew what it was to be in the Church of the Nazarene until wow until i made it maybe all the way to seminary perhaps before i before i really understood wow as far as the doctrine of sanctification and sure things like that sure. so so i was raised in it and now i'm so thankful that's where i got to start out mm. and have gotten to you know come out of a reformed home into just so being so thankful for the church that that raised me since then
0: so <laughs> So tell me a little bit about your calling. How did you end up wanting to be a pastor, feeling like you should be a pastor? I, um, I didn't think that
1: I was supposed to be a pastor because being raised with Reformed theology, I, um, uh, aside from the doctrine of sanctification being a strange doctrine to a Reformed theology, um, women are not supposed to be pastors. And so this wasn't even something that was in my... Schema Like, I just didn't... It wasn't even there. Mm. And so in college, I started um, going to Biola University my freshman year. Um, I was born and raised in San Diego. And so uh, going to Biola, which was a reformed school, um, I started to feel a call to ministry there that I didn't see as a call to ministry. Instead, I saw it as a call to marry a pastor or a missionary. And so... Um, I thought, this is what I will, this is what I will do. And then a uh, crisis and rebellion happened, which turned out to be just so wonderful, even though it was terrifying for my poor, wonderful parents. Um, and I ended up at Point Loma out of that. And so um, from there, being in a different theological context, then the Lord suddenly showed me, I mean, I had to take church history class and um, literature class and uh, world history class, and all of these things together were intersecting theologically because they all had theology, history, and Mm -hmm. stuff in them. And the Lord, out of that, just showed me what a passion I had for theology and church history. These are not things that I thought I would care about. And so after switching from originally elementary education going undeclared, and then to going to family life services, I eventually realized that I should be majoring in theology somehow. Wow. And so um, so I switched to a philosophy theology major and just loved all that I was getting to learn. But of course, I still didn't have any kind of uh, concept of how there would be pastoral ministry coming out of this. So eventually, I felt a call to missions which was so fun. So I um, went to South Korea after I graduated from college and felt this call to be a missionary. And I, and I still, to this day, just have a, just a passion in my heart for, for cross-cultural ministry. And mm-hmm. I really, really hope that, that part of the Lord's plans for me will include that. I, I think that they will. Um, but so I was there for two years, and out of that felt... I um, called to full-time missions and so the wonderful missionaries there said well you need to get a master's degree and I said oh well I don't really care much for, for more school but okay and so I was looking for a place to do a really quick easy master's degree and so <laughs> I shouldn't say it that way but um, NCS had an MA in Missiology and I thought two years I can do that get out there and get back to the mission field no sure, problem sure. so I got to NCS and um, immediately like orientation the Lord said and you need to do the MDiv program instead and I was like "Now you tricked me that's not okay because that's twice as long I don't want to be here for four years which at the time it was a four year more like a four-year degree and so I did that I said okay fine and so I did the MDiv program and then you know the Lord threw marriage in there too which ended up being a crazy thing in and of itself because Suddenly, a call to missions kind of morphed into a call to inner city Mm -hmm. missions. And um, then uh, I was pregnant with our first child, and the Lord called my husband to chaplaincy. And we were supposed to be co-pastoring is what the goal was. And so um, the Lord called him into chaplaincy, which has been such a huge amazing journey to watch him go through. Um, but at the time, I felt slightly abandoned and like, what am I supposed to do now? And that's at that point, the Lord said, well, actually, I want you to go into pastoral ministry. And actually, I want you to be a senior pastor. So this was something I thought I didn't hear that right. That was a silly thing I, I heard. And so it was a few days before I told my husband, hey, I think that the Lord told me that I'm supposed to go into senior pastor role. And he said, well, I could have told you that. And within a couple of weeks, I had people at our little inner city church saying, oh, yes, well, you're, you know, I had a dream and you were you were the pastor of, you know, this wedding and the dream. And somebody else said, oh, yeah, we, we always kind of saw you as being the pastor and, and the family. And and I, th- these were all things that were just just kind of blew me away this wasn't something that i felt equipped or able to do um but obviously it became obvious that this is what god said to do so um sent out applications resumes i guess um to like 12 districts all over the country and i think at the time there were like 10 churches open on the kansas city district which is where we lived and i remember our our wonderful ds um, General, Rell, who's still here and just love him. He said, when I told him that I was applying to other districts, he said, Oh, I wish you would apply here, please. <laughs> and he barely knew me. So he was being very gracious with what he was saying, but I thought, okay, I'll go ahead and apply here. And, um, and Southwood was open at the time. So I had, uh, a colleague on the district who was in district leadership but he's also a senior pastor on the district and he kind of helped me to get my foot in the door at Southwood by presenting my resume to the to the board and mm-hmm. and they they just unanimously embraced me which was um, unexpected but beautiful and Then when I came to interview with the congregation, so like, you know, the polity of the church has you go through the church board first and then you come to the congregation for a vote there. And I had had unanimous support, just embracing from the board, and so I kind of expected the whole church to be this way. Um, But the day that I came to preach and interview with the congregation, uh, someone told me, you know, just so you know, we have a contingency here that is against having a female pastor and so you're gonna you're gonna get a question or two in the congregational interview about that just so you're ready and I very I was so proud of myself how confidently I'm so I said I'm ready for it it's no problem and um so the questions came and this church I love so much I um I'm sure that many of them would feel embarrassed to, to to hear the questions again but I think it's important just to be able to put them out there that somebody said you know I I don't even have I wasn't even raised in a church where a woman could serve on the board let alone in the pulpit so how are you going to help me understand how to work with this so I was able to just speak out of my own story and say well that's how I was raised so I I understand how that how that goes and just inviting that journey to learn together um and somebody else said how are you going to be a full-time mom, wife, homemaker and pastor? And at that moment our little 4-month-old baby started crying and my husband Ben went over and picked him up and there was um a bunch of people started applauding. <laughs> like and that's how it's done, kind of a thing. Wow. And so um and I think I even had an email sent to me later from someone saying, I am so sorry for, you know, those questions. But um, so that was a difficult thing because the congregational vote happened the next week and um, I, I didn't get elected. Wow. So that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I think for the church in a lot of ways it was too. So there was a lot of just hurt and healing that, had to happen in that, that probably in some ways is, I suppose, still happening, you know, this eight years later. But, um, so then the board decided to take a break, um, from the interview process when things fell through with that and asked their, their interim to stay on as like the full-time and not full-time, but interim pastor for, I think they were thinking 18 months at the time and it turned into two and a half years. Um, but he was, he had a full-time job somewhere else. And so he said, well, I'll need to hire a full-time associate. And so he, we had never met before, (laughs) but he obviously had heard, um, things that had happened. And he called me and asked if I'd be interested in being full-time associate there. And I said, you know, the Lord never called me away from that church. I kind of felt like a bad breakup or something, (laughs) you know, that feeling of, I like you, do you like me? And I, I think you like me but oh nope never mind you don't and so it was just a really uh emotional roller coaster ride but yeah I, I said sure I'll, I'll come back as the associate if God says to go there that way then let's go there and and so we entered into that and we're with that church for two and a half years as I was the executive pastor there and um got to do a lot of a lot of things, I suppose, that a senior pastor would do without the title, but um, had in in that pastor there had a, a mentor, and he was very gracious and uh, wise. And then he left; he had to move, and uh, the church had to call somebody else for you know the interview process, and they didn't call me first, and that was really hard. Um, but our DS, again, he, he walked me through it. He was very gracious in keeping me in the loop with things because it was such a painful journey that summer, about five years ago now. So they called me second after the first person they called said, I am not going in there. <laughs> so they called me, and um, and it was a tough interview process, and the board was not united that time.
0: Wow.
1: And um, But I got called came before the congregation and ended up with a I think it was a 70 some percent vote which was not a good one at all but right. um but the Lord had spoken so many times you stand firm you stand firm here and so so we took it I mm-hmm. took it so we and so we've been there for 5 years a lot of people left if not immediately then over the course of time oh. But at the same time, people who were so against having a female pastor have said, you know what the Lord said to us, you love her. She is your shepherd. She is your pastor. And, and they have been obedient in that. I mean, and it's been hard and I didn't realize that it's still hard for some people, but it, it is. And even now I just had somebody else, um, give me their keys and leave a couple of weeks ago. And mm-hmm. they wouldn't say that it's because I'm a female, but really when it comes down to it, I think that ends up being what the implications point to. And that's hard. Um, but, you know, um, this is where the Lord continues to call us to be. Mm-hmm. And and I love the people. And we have found a home and we're raising two kiddos. And um, the church loves them and they love the church and we all i mean they look forward to going there every week
0: so that's kind of how the calling in church happened um so what is southwood like do you have somebody under you now that you're the senior pastor um what is it like being a senior pastor you know a young senior pastor yeah
1: Um, There has been a lot of awkwardness that I've had to work through. And so what is it to be a senior pastor? I mean, obviously it's going to be so different for everyone. Um, I think perhaps my perspective, I have to say, comes out of someone who's, I feel very insecure, not confident. And I think part of that might be because of the way I was raised and just constantly fighting, you know, Am I really called? And I know I am, but like just this constant, oh, you, you've you really actually just fooled everybody into thinking that you're called. So that's been a constant battle that I think as a senior pastor has probably given me some disadvantages that I have had to work through and am continuing to work through. Um, but yeah, um, but I have staff there. Um, there's one staff person that's been there for almost between 15 and 20 years he's been there Um, and he is about the same age as my parents and you know there have been some things to work through with that but he's been very gracious and loving and um, and I've been firm you know in in my leadership too and so that's that's been a really good relationship that's that's been the constant he's been the the one person that has stayed all the other staff members that have come through have been seminary students for the most part and so um, that's a lot of transition. And so I am getting ready to hire, Lord willing, the third youth pastor since I've been there. Wow. And um, we're hopefully going to have someone with the children, not pastor but leader, someone kind of in a staff position that way that's probably going to have been the third or fourth, children's leader and been through a couple of worship leaders um so a lot of turnover it's like we're we're not a bad church but it's such a transitional context i think because of having the seminary be so close to us Mm -hmm. that people graduate and have callings to move on and so sometimes we have you know between five and ten ministry students and so I might have a huge staff. I think at one point I had a staff of like six people. I mean it was just almost comical because we're such a small church, it's like, you know, maybe seventy or eighty people (laughs) with six pastors. But they're all they're ministry students and the church sees itself as a training place. And so it's like we are ascending church. And so it's part of the church's identity too. So but in the context of the question and what it's like to be a senior pastor and having staff, and sometimes I feel like, what? How, how am I? How am I a pastor of staff members? But my husband being a chaplain, he and I are both in the ministry, and we both have a very strong calling to mentoring. And so part of the joy of it is we get to bring all the ministry students into the Parsonage, into our home. Um, we try to do it regularly and just talk about the stuff that doesn't get talked about At school, marriage and children and finances and boundaries. And we just, we try to listen to the stuff that people are dealing with and and go off of that. But that's been a really fun journey. So yeah, I I find it to be almost humorous sometimes the way that the Lord has worked it all out.
0: (laughs) No, that's great. So you mentioned that um, you're thinking about some doctoral work Mm. I'm just curious how that call came about and what you're planning Mm -hmm. on doing, where you're planning on going. Right.
1: Um, So this theme of insecurity is going to play into this as well, Mm. um, because I'm looking into a PhD program at Manchester, um, Nazarene Theological College there, which goes through the University of Manchester for the actual PhD. And um, it's going to be around the topic of leadership, which is just one of those hilariously ironic things, because... um, Leadership has never been something that I have perceived myself to be good at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I perceived it to be one certain style, model, like this is what good leadership looks like. And I have thought, if that's what leadership looks like, then I'm not a good leader because that's not how I do things. Um, you know, we've had a couple of crises in the church that have been really, really difficult to deal with. And have shown me a little bit of my leadership style and how I deal with things so perhaps where some leaders really strong leaders that would be really good leaders would probably have um, asked people to leave I never felt okay with that and so then you're presented with a whole another set of issues and how do you deal with that Um, So all of those experiences kind of led me into the realization that I needed to grow as a leader. Mm. And so what does that look like? And so I went to a workshop on leadership at a women's clergy conference. Almost, I didn't even want to go because I didn't care about learning about leadership. But the Lord said, no, you need to grow in this area. So I went and I saw there that there are a lot of different styles of leadership, which, I mean, that could have been the extent of my learning experience and then, you know, figuring out which style or whatever I, I'm, I'm good at and growing in that. But instead of that being the main thing that happened there, I ended up talking to someone afterwards who gave me really good advice. But in the middle of the conversation, the Lord said, hey, I want you to do doctoral work in this area. And so first of all, I don't even... I didn't even consider that I really could realistically do doctoral work. This is part of the insecurities that play it plays into it. Mm. My husband and I had all he uh, he has a stronger personality than me, and um, I kind of considered him to be a much better leader than myself. Um, and I don't know that that plays into the to the Ph.D. program as much as um, the topic of it, but. He had always said, well, you need to do doctoral work. This is just part of, you know, what, what we need to do. And, and I thought, I don't, I don't even know that I care about anything enough to study it to the degree that a doctoral, you know, degree would, would require. Sure, sure. So it was just something out in the future that we that I, I kind of was conceding to. Okay, fine, I'll, I'll think about it on my sabbatical year or something. And so for the Lord to, to say that kind of randomly... I mean, I I immediately was able to recognize it, thank the Lord, that it was the Holy Spirit speaking um, that word. And and then, because God knows me so well, knew that I would need not just that word, but probably some other affirmation that way. And the next day, somebody came up to me and and just said, hey, I just want to encourage you in your context at your at your church um just enjoy this quiet time of your life which seems silly to me because i'm like i have two children and i'm pastoring a church you're telling me have a quiet life but yeah enjoy this quiet season and just study just study and and um i thought what why are you telling me to study that's kind of random (laughs) and but then the lord's saying well yeah because i'm talking to you about this and Mm. so really um what has happened as I've just tried, tried to listen to the Lord in this process of discovering the, the doctoral degree and calling there is um, a studying of spiritual leadership um, within a Trinitarian theology in specifically a Wesleyan tradition, which I've discovered makes a big difference. Um, and now the Lord is kind of adding to that studying gender roles and sexuality within Trinitarian theology and within spiritual leadership and how all of those things play together and Manchester just seems to be so wonderfully open to you know what do you want to study let's put this together in an organized way and and move forward with it and so they're really equipping me well just in the very beginnings of this process so that's how that came about and what I'm hoping to do. So I'm excited for it. It's going to be six
0: years, the next six years of life. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So how would you describe your style of leadership? Mm.
1: So I used to describe it as team, team leadership, which, you know, sounded great. Um, and then I started to understand that even that is not exactly my style. So to, to some degree though, it is. I, so I, I, I don't like to dictate. I'm not comfortable with that at all, and so um, I love to have a staff around me, and and it's important to me to have relationship with that with staff, and mm-hmm. so to get together regularly and try to be in prayer together and be transparent with each other, and so the staff that's where that's where I, I feel I have to be very open and honest with. Ha- what I'm experiencing and going through and what I've experienced is that's created a great deal of bonding and camaraderie and unity within a staff Mm -hmm. and so then from there um it's much more feasible to to work out the mission and the vision of the church now what I'm learning now is even just today at the workshop here at Palcon that we I was just at is just how much I, I need to connect even more with the congregation and uh pastorally, you know, visiting and envisioning with people, um, not just the staff, where the church is going and how they want to be involved with that. And so that ends up being also not just like a team leadership style, it just it's like an entire community leadership style. And in the middle of that, I've had to learn how to still be the voice that declares This is where we are going. Mm. So like there have been a a couple of big decisions and difficult things that I have felt deep in my heart. We need to do this. Um, There was one season where another congregation, an African-American congregation, wanted to share a building with us. And uh, part of the context of Raytown is... It's very racially divided, and and this was just this idea of racial reconciliation was something that the Lord was pressing on me, and I felt like we need to be able to partner with this congregation and share this building. Well, this was not something that the church, many people at the church, were interested in, mm. um, because I mean, from what they said, if you get a church coming into somewhere, they're gonna mess with the building, and our building's gonna get messed up, and. And so learning the process of I'd, not just saying, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. We're going to do this anyway. Sure. But instead entering into the process of teaching and envisioning, why is this important? This is part of our mission. And bringing that into um, the, the sermons and discussions to have with people so that then we had a congregational vote on whether or not to do this. And that congregational vote was favorable toward inviting this congregation to share our building. And so we were able to move forward in that with full... I mean, so then everybody was on board. Everyone was able to take ownership of that. And when we worshiped together as two congregations as coming together for one worship service, and I had their preacher preach the sermon, and I had one of our people come up to me afterwards who had been staunchly against it, came up to me and said you know, I was so against this, but I've changed my mind. And like, just to see how that, that kind of, I guess maybe that leadership style can just kind of bring everybody in together and Mm -hmm. move the church forward in that way. You know, we've had, you know, difficulties and stuff since then. It's not all roses with that, but it worked out well in that situation. That's probably an illustration of my leadership style that, I think it worked out okay in that moment.
0: <laughs> so anyway, that's that probably describes no, that's it. That's awesome. Mm. What would you say is your favorite part about being a senior pastor at Southwood, or just being a senior pastor in general? Mm. Wow,
1: and it's probably changed a little bit over the years, but <laughs> I love preaching. I I love. I love that my job is to study the scriptures and then engage what I've studied, engage other people in what I have studied. Mm-hmm. And so that happens in preaching, but it happens through, you know, whatever smaller studies happen, it happens through the pastoral care that I give and when we read scripture together and when I speak into people's lives, whatever encouragement or, um, counsel or prayer. I mean, I've ever since before even felt a call to ministry, I've loved the scriptures and studying the Bible and, and learning more about it and applying it to life. And, And I've loved being with small groups of people and facilitating that, you know, discussion and growth and so to do, like, that's my job. <laughs> mm. And I just think that's amazing that I get to do that. So even on those weeks when it's like, oh, I don't know if I have time to prep a sermon this week. How am I going to do this? Um, it, it's, there is still such joy in that. And, like, I really understand, I think, now that even the painfulness of trying to burr the sermon, you know, week after week and in the midst of everything else is this beautiful amazing privileged humbling experience and that i constantly feel insecure and insufficient for but that the lord is speaking into me uh you are strong and you are capable and i have created you to to be that way and to do these things and so like out of that knowledge and Experience to be able to just grow as a preacher, as a pastor in those ways. Um, I'm just thankful to have a group of people who are patient and loving through, through it as I go and deal with all the silly things I, I do.
0: <laughs> do you preach most of the sermons?
1: Yeah, um, I do, um, but well, relatively, it's all relative, I suppose. About once a month, I try to have somebody else preach, um, and you know, having the luxury of staff members from the seminary and such everybody loves to have the chance to preach um for the most part and so I love to share the pulpit I think it's great for everybody to be able to hear different voices Mm. it's great for the other you know for the students to be able to practice preaching and it's wonderful for me um to be able to listen to someone else and to to be able to focus on other things you know every every once in a while so Mm. yeah it's I, I really enjoy sharing the pulpit. I, that's an important part of my identity
0: as a as a pastor and leader. Oh, yeah. love that. <laughs> yeah. Um. What inspires you to stay in the Church of the Nazarene? What keeps mm. you here? Wow. Uh,
1: there there was a time when I received a bit of counsel to leave after the vote at this church didn't go well. They said, well, you know, if you went to other denominations, you wouldn't have to deal with congregational votes and such. Mm. And that never sat well with me. Perhaps, you know, if I want to be brutally honest, maybe there's a part of me that's just, I was comfortable where I was, and I didn't want to (sighs) leave. But um, the theology of the church, of the Nazarene, to me we talk about the central doctrine being sanctification in some circles people would articulate it that way but it's to me it's love um and so first of all I love that I I love the doctrine of love I love that that is the central doctrine of our church that holds it together and that guides the direction that we go even if we don't always follow it the best so I love that central doctrine, but also if to me, that just means you stick with it. And and you know, if the going gets rough, sorry, but everywhere it's gonna get rough. And so you stay with it and you do you you, you live faithfully and you continue forward. And I will I'll be honest in saying that there's other little silly rules about the Church of Nazarene that I don't agree with and that I pray will change. Um, but I but I um, I submit to the authority of the church and so I say, you know, I don't agree with this all the time, but but I, I love you church and I'm called to you and so I will I will do this the way that you're telling me to do it, even though I don't agree with it. And I will love you and hope that part of that love will mean that I love you through change and that I love you I will love you through growing into being a more faithful body of Christ. Um, you know, let, let's all grow together. <laughs> I've got stuff to work on too, <laughs> So that's why I stay. I think I stay because if, if I leave, for me, I know it's not how it is for everybody, but for me, that somehow it wouldn't be faithful for me. Somebody once said I took vows. I took vows, <laughs> and sure, yeah, that's in a in a lot of ways that's that's true for me. And I'm not gonna call somebody else unfaithful because I know I know a lot of people have left the denomination, and they've been good friends of mine. And I I grieve, um, but I I'm not gonna I can't blame them. But for me, for Deanna, the Lord has said, No, you stay. You stay here. So so I stay.
0: Wow. Thanks for sharing your stories. Yeah, thanks for letting me share. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, I know you're very passionate about women clergy Mm -hmm. and several other issues, so if somebody was um, wanting to reach out to you, ask you a question, ask your advice, Mm -hmm. where would they reach you? Um, My email is the best way to reach
1: me, and so uh, it's my last name and my first initial, Hayden, D-H-A-Y-D-E-N, at southwoodchurch.org. There's also a website, southwoodchurch.org. Um that I can people can reach me or, you know, get a hold of me and all all kinds of other things that can happen at the website. So
0: <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me.